Hello, and welcome to the Sunday Sermon Cast from Bethel Evangelical Free Church on Washington Island, Wisconsin. I'm Rick Smith, and I've been here at Bethel since 2016, enjoying this great church on this spectacular place off the northern tip of Door County, Wisconsin. This message comes from our Sunday morning service here on the island, and it's geared towards discovering what the Bible has to say to us in our everyday lives. So, God's blessing on you, and thanks for joining with us wherever you are today. We have been looking at a a series this summer uh, we've called, If Jesus is the Answer, What's the Question? And Who's Asking? Because part of the whole deal of coming with questions to Jesus is that we come with different questions because we're in different places in our lives. We're going through different kinds of things. And, and how we get there, it's different. But somehow Jesus, in interacting with people in his life and his ministry, discovers people going through these various things, and is the answer. We, uh, we're looking at chapter, John, at chapter 9 of John today. If you have your Bibles, you can open there. And, and part of the setting of this is this, this question of, when bad things are out there, what's the cause of it? As we'll see in this story, they'll interact with this blind man. And he's a blind man from birth, and they come across him, and his disciples are like, all right, Jesus, now tell us this. So this guy here, whose fault is it? Who sinned? Was it him or his parents? Why did this happen? Which raises a question, right? I mean, do you picture what the question's getting at? That, that somehow his physical disability is someone's fault, that someone sinned, and, and who did that? And Jesus' response is going to, We'll take them in an entirely different direction and taking a look at what's going on in this world. So if you have your Bibles, if you open to John chapter 9, we will start at verse 1. As he went along, he saw a blind man from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. It just ends there, but we should be like, what? He's seeing. Well, we'll see people's response to that as we move on here. Verse 8. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this, this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. Well, then how then were your eyes open, they asked. He replied, Uh, The man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. Well, they brought him to the Pharisees, the man who had been blind. Now, the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was the Sabbath. I almost get a dun-dun-dun. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. 
He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, How can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, He is a prophet. They still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked? Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? We know he's our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind, but how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him, he's of age, he will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That's why his parents said, he is of age, ask him. A second time, they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I have told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Well, then they hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciple. We're disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses. But as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does as well. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, You were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, What, are we blind too? Jesus said, If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. Well, there's a lot going on here, isn't there? Just all kinds of different things. Uh, John does a wonderful job of using double meanings. This, the literary part of it by itself is fantastic. But the elements of the story just take us in all kinds of different places. But at the start of it, the point is clearly that Jesus heals this guy. And that as he heals this guy, that that there are other things going on than maybe just what meets the eye. Remember the disciples' questions? Their assumption looking at this. Here's this bad thing, this thing that happened to this guy's life early on. There's got to be a reason for this. Why would he be blind? There's got to be something. Someone must have sinned. And Jesus says, nope. This happened for something entirely different. Uh, And 
there's a sense where, I mean, sometimes the question makes us ask, well, so did, did God make this blind to make a point later on? Is that what happened here? And, and, and maybe it looks like that uh, Gary Berg in his, his excellent commentary on, on John suggests that given the way that the, the sentence is structured, that there, there's a possible other way to look at how this is said. And, and maybe instead of how it says that, but this happened so that the word of God might be displayed in him, that uh, another would be that neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but that so the work of God may be displayed in his life, we must do the work of him who sent me while it is still today. Uh, let me see that again. But so that the work of God may be displayed in his life, we must do the work of him who sent me while it is still day. Uh, the focus there just changes the dynamics a little bit that, that in, in not addressing why it happened, but right now we have an opportunity right in front of us to do the work of God. There is something before us. And, and while it is still day, this is what we can do. In, in John's gospel, there is this great use of, of lights and darkness. And, and this idea of blindness and sight really factors into the things that are going on here. Much of the passage that precedes this in John chapter 8 gives some great pictures of the, the discussion and arguments Jesus was having with with the Pharisees, uh, even to the point of them wondering where he came from and who he is, and, and some of those things get borne out in this passage. But as Jesus begins talking about what can happen next, it's daytime, it's light. My presence is here. I am the light of the world. And in coming to this guy born blind, will allow the light to come in, physically through his eyes. And later on and through the story, we'll see spiritually, as he comes to realize who this Jesus is. As I mentioned before, the, 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 the healing itself just seems to go like that. A couple of verses and it's, it's done. You know, some, some mud on his eyes, go wash off. He does it, boom, and he comes home seeing. But the action itself provokes some other things. It seems like the miracle is now on trial. Because people are like, what? What was going on here? It first starts with his neighbors, right? The, the neighbors see him and, and they're like, is that Levi, the, the blind begging guy from next door? Is that, is that who that is? And it's like, uh, no, can't be. And you think about for the blind man, the change in his life would have been dramatic. The opportunity for someone who was not sighted in those days was, was much more limited than even what we have today. Here you can read through Braille. There's all kinds of ways through sound and auditory devices that, that people can do and work. But in his day and time, his options were pretty limited. This changes everything about his life and possibly even, even his appearance. Uh, if you spent some time with blind people, you know they have little control of their eyes. Many of them will wear sunglasses to cover that because it, it can be kind of distracting even to look at them. And, and, and so maybe even his, his demeanor and his walking would have changed entirely because now he doesn't have to feel his way home, but can walk and look and see. And, and so, well... Yeah, it kind of looks like him, but uh, no, he can't be. And, and, and even with the guy, no, it's me, it's me, it's me. He's like, well, I don't know about that. Uh, 
during our vacation Bible school, there was this, this great little interlude where we, our first day, we had this time machine that we were using, and, and the first day, we're showing how it worked to the kids, and, and, and we, put, we put Tommy Pratt into the time machine, and then we, after a little bit of things, we, we, we set it up, oh, 30 years in advance, and out came Tom Pratt with black hair and beard and all that, and, and, uh, and, Tom and, and uh, his daughter, Opal, was, uh, was out there in the VBS. And, and later that night, she says to her dad, were you at vacation Bible school today? <laughs> She's like, Is, was, that, was that really actually you? Uh, so there's a sense, can we recognize this guy? Well, they go on from there. After he insists it's him, well, they said, well, let's get, the, let's get the religious leaders here because if this is a miracle, this is, well, God's got to be involved with that. So they bring in the Pharisees and they start talking with him. And, and, and you get the sense from the Pharisees right away. Again, in chapters previous to this, they're having issues with Jesus. Uh, Jesus does things on the Sabbath that you're not supposed to do. People are, you're not supposed to work. You're not supposed to work. Your, your wife, your children, your manservant, your animal, no one's supposed to work on the Sabbath. And here he is healing people. And, and so the first thing they notice about, well, this happened on a Sabbath? And so they just blow off the fact that a guy is blind and now can see. And it's like, well, this certainly can't have come from God because it happened on the Sabbath. And that's part of the focus of their attention is not on what happened, but that there's perspective they have on the law has been violated and, well, nothing good can come from this. And they, they kind of go back and forth. They're struggling with, well, who do you say this guy is, Mr. I've been healed? It's like, well, I think he's a prophet. It's like, well, was he really healed? And so they bring his parents in. And his parents know that the Pharisees do not like Jesus. And anyone who says anything positive or, or affirming of Jesus as being religious and good and from God is going to get tossed out of the synagogue. So they're like, well, yeah, yeah that's, that's our son. And yeah, 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 he was, he was born blind. Yeah. Uh, what Will you ask him? Ask him. And so they bring him back in. And they question him again. And, and he's like, I already told you how this happened. And then he asked the really wrong question, right? Do you guys really want to, be, do you guys want to become his disciples? Is that why you're so interested? It's like, ah, oh, and they start hurling insults at him. And, and, uh, and it's like, we don't even know who this, where this guy comes from. And some of that, again, comes out of chapter 8, uh, John, this, some of those exact things being said. But out of the wisdom or out of the, the blindness of this formerly blind man, talking to the elite, those who know God, who know scriptures backwards and forwards. These guys are, are, are the, the rock stars of the religious world. And he says, well, now this is remarkable. You guys don't know where it comes from. You're, you're thinking this is about sin, but guys, I was blind from birth. That doesn't happen. And we know that God doesn't, God doesn't, Listen to those who are sinners. This had to come from God. Oh, that sets them off again. And uh, I said, who are you to lecture us? You, you know, it's, it's, they, they get into the, the, the ad hominem attacks. Like, you, you're, 
You are steeped in sin at birth. I mean, you know when you're losing an argument, you, 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 start, you start attacking the person and their character instead of the idea that's going on there and, and distract them away from, I have no answer to that, but you! And you feel like that's what's going on here. And so they toss him out. This thing that, that his parents feared would happen to them, well, it happens to the guy. They, man, and you have a sense almost from the guys like, what have you guys done for me? This guy healed me. I can see. You're going to kick me out of your synagogue? Whatever. But Jesus happens upon him. Having heard that they tossed him out of the synagogue, and, and, uh, and he asks them the deep questions. Do you believe in the Son of Man? Uh, clearly, uh, a very Jewish background. This is a Jewish community, and uh, it was a Jewish synagogue. And so this idea of the Son of Man would have been well known out of the book of Daniel. And, and so do you believe in, in the Son of Man, this promised coming Savior, Messiah, Christ from God? And, and he's like, well, who is it? And he's like, you're looking at him. The one you're talking to. And the blind man turns to him and, and says, I believe, and worships. Something's going on here. There's been a change and transformation. And what we see in this story is, are, are, are this contrast of, of, of the guy who's blind physically and, and the, the Pharisees who can see very well, but one of them now sees physically but also spiritually. And the others, the Son of Man is in front of them, doing miracles that are inexplicable except for God's work. And they're like, eh, that can't be from God. That's blindness right there. And I think a couple of things for us. One is that if we're struggling with blindness in some areas of our life or some kind of things, uh, Jesus invites us to come and, and, and to come with him, to admit this is where I'm at and, and we need help. But there's the caution, and I think the caution is here for all of us, that we examine ourselves because part of this is if we think I've got it all covered and taken care of and I, I'm okay, well, I think the caution is you're probably not. Because all of us on some level are reliant upon God. That, that it is the power of Jesus that makes the difference in our lives in the spiritual connection with God. That if we think I, I can see Oh, we need to be a little bit cautious about maybe what it is we think we're seeing. There's uh, sad news coming out of Willow Creek these days, and, uh, and their longtime pastor, Bill Hybels. Um, back in the 70s, he and a guy named Dave Humble and some others started a, a ministry in Parkridge, Illinois, at South Park Church and called Sun City. And, and uh, it's a ministry eventually that I came to faith in. Um, they took that to, uh, to the northwestern suburbs of Chicago and, and, and built a tremendous church and built it on a, a tremendous dream and idea of, of bringing the gospel to people and, and having church centered around those who are seeking. And, and, and yet this news of, of his activities, which, well, 
it, it, it's, it's likely that they're true, that he's, he's sinned in some grievous ways. And, and the leadership team, through this process, uh, their, their first response to any accusations was to, to defend him and, and, and to denigrate uh, the women who were making the accusations. And, and uh, they have come since to, to have apologized for having blind devotion in a man. And, and it's, it's not to say that, that God didn't use that ministry in tremendous ways over years, but what's the ministry based and centered upon? It's always Jesus, right? And sometimes when we take our eyes off of Jesus, and it's so easy to do, it's easy to, to take a look at it, and I, I a gifted speaker and, and a tremendous leader. And, and if you are that gifted speaker and a tremendous leader, to think, well, you know, maybe I'm above some things. They had some of the most strict and, and, and vital rules about how you handled these kind of situations. Except who's watching him? And, and there's seemingly blindness on their part. And I say all that to be a caution for us because it's easy to have our focus on well, things that are obvious to us and yet taken off the Lord in some way, shape, or form. Well, that's not the story I want to end on. I, uh, we have got a recent letter from uh, the Jesus Film Project and and to, to summarize just the things that were going on um, in, in the Amazon basin, the, years ago, a, a woman who we'll call Suze was a Bible translator. And for 14 years, she, she was translating the New Testament. And she met a Brazilian missionary. And they got married. And they, this, the, they had this great celebration. 2,500 people from eight, 80 different tribes come. And, 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 and Bajo, the man, used the app. Occasion to baptize new believers. Well, well, part of the deal in this area of the world is there are really bad, wicked tribes, and and some of them, their nickname are called the Skull Crushers. Uh, not your best happy name, but kind of descriptive of how violent they were. Well, in the course of this baptism, five warriors from one of these tribes comes out, and people are like, "Whoa!" And they have arrows, and they've got poison darts, and they. That there's a fear, and, and these men say, we want to be baptized. I'm like, oh, okay. And so Bajo baptizes them, and, and, uh, and over the next 10 days, uh, spends some time, or the next five hours, he, he spends time talking to them about Creator God and Jesus and the, and the Holy Spirit, and, and they spent 10 more days walk, working through all this stuff, and, and they'd taken days and days to get there, so eventually they they get one of the missionary pilots to fly them back towards their tribe. And, and even where they landed them, it was going to be four more days. But they say, please come to our tribe and tell us, tell my people about Jesus, which sounds great, except recently there were stories that that tribe had just killed 45 gold miners. And this was dangerous. And, but they, they decided to go anyways. And as they go, they land. And, and as the plane takes off and they're about to proceed and they're praying and they open their eyes and they're surrounded by hundreds and hundreds of people. Uh, children, 
men, women, and almost all of them have weapons. <laughs> and they're all raised at them. And Bajo is thinking, my time is up. When out of the crowd comes this cry, which says, stop, stop, today is not a day of death. And another cry, do not hurt them. They're the ones who taught us that there is a true creator. And these five warriors that had been baptized weeks before came and, and and everyone was so stunned about what they heard. Uh, they began speaking about this. And they began singing about this, which was their traditional way to, to send news. And night after night, people were repenting. And sometimes they were up till 5.30 in the morning, day and night. And, and more than 400 of the skull crushers or skull splitters came to Christ. And so they came back two weeks later. And they brought the Jesus film and showed it to people and and uh, they sent people on 10-day journeys to get other people to come. And every night they showed the, the Jesus film. And at the end of that, they, they left the film and the solar project, projector with these five guys. And there's this indigenous film team there in the Amazon. And they returned later. I found that, that as they used the film... Uh, they reached 21 remote tribes and 4,600 people with the gospel. And they report they are now believers in every region and places where we're not allowed to go. Missionaries are not allowed to go to some of these tribes because the government says you cannot go there and influence that. But that does not apply to tribes and indigenous people. The warriors are going where we can't. We are living a true revival in the heart of the jungle. And and. And the focus is Jesus. And the power is in Jesus. And the hope is in Jesus. And in the circumstances of our lives and the things that we're going through, again, it is easy for us to become blinded. Sometimes our intellect, sometimes our training, sometimes our education gets in the way that we lose sight of Jesus. And so two things. One is, if you're feeling you need your sight restored, that you need a Savior who loves you and cares for you and a place to come because of your own sinfulness, Jesus says, come. You are invited. But for some of us who may think, I can, I've been able to see for a while. Maybe there's a caution for us to make sure that we're focused on Jesus. That's in similar to the soccer ball with all the possible distractions. We can take our eye off of that ball and on the things in our lives that distract us and lose sight of Jesus. Where are you? What's going on in your life? Are you able to maintain your focus on Jesus? Or are there things that need to be stripped away so that you again can focus on him? Let's stand for closing prayer. Father, this day we we ask for for your light and for your vision to see you, to know you, And for you to to speak into our lives about where our hearts are at. 
Do we love you with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength? Or have we lost sight of that, which you've put before us? Help us to walk through this with humility, to care and love others and help them to see you as well. All this relying first and foremost on you, our Lord and Savior. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you this day. Well, thanks again for listening. And to learn more about how you can connect with Bethel Community Church, check out our website at islandbethelchurch.com or join us for a service Saturday night at 6 or Sunday morning at 1045. Hope to see you soon. God bless you.